Section 114 of India, Persia, Mesopotamia, and Palestine. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sonia. The World Story, Volume 2 India, Persia, Mesopotamia, and Palestine. Edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 114 saint louis as a prisoner twelve fifty by joseph francois michaud in twelve forty eight louis the ninth of france saint louis went on a crusade he invaded egypt and captured damietta but was taken prisoner by the mussulmans the editor he louis had no covering at night but a coarse cassock which he owed to the charity of another prisoner in this state he never addressed one petition to his enemies nor did the tone of his language announce either fear or submission one of his almoners afterwards attested upon oath that louis never suffered a word of despair or a movement of impatience to escape from him the mussulmans were astonished at this resignation and said among themselves that if ever their prophet should leave them a prey to such great adversities they would abandon his faith and his worship of all his riches louis had saved only his book of psalms too sterile a spoil to be worth the attention of the saracens and when all the world seemed to have abandoned him this book alone consoled him in his misfortune he every day recited those hymns of the prophets in which god himself speaks of his justice and his mercy reassures virtue which suffers in his name and threatens with his anger those whom prosperity intoxicates and who abuse their triumph thus religious sentiments and remembrances sustained the courage of louis even in fetters and the pious monarch surrounded every day by fresh perils amidst the mussulman army that he had irritated by his victories might still cry out with the prophet king supported by the living god who is my buckler and my glory i will not fear the crowd of enemies encamped around me the sultan of cairo appearing inclined to soften his rigorous policy sent louis fifty magnificent dresses for himself and the lords of his train louis refused to clothe himself in them saying that he was the sovereign of a greater kingdom than egypt and that he would never wear the livery of a foreign prince almohadam ordered a great feast to be prepared to which he invited the king but louis would not accept of this invitation as he was persuaded it was meant only to exhibit him as a spectacle to the mussulman army at length the sultan sent his most skilful physicians to him and did all he could to preserve a prince whom he destined to adorn his triumph and by whose means he hoped to obtain the advantages attached to his last victory before long he proposed to the king to break his chains upon condition of his giving up damietta and the cities of palestine that were still under the power of the franks louis replied that the christian cities of palestine did not belong to him that god had recently replaced damietta in the hands of the christians and that no human power had the right to dispose of it the sultan irritated by this refusal resolved to employ violence at one time he threatened louis to send him to the caliph of baghdad who would closely imprison him till death at another he announced the project of leading his illustrious captive throughout the east and of exhibiting to all asia a king of the christians reduced to slavery 
at length he went so far as to threaten to have him placed in the barnacles a frightful punishment reserved for the greatest criminals louis still showed himself firm and as the only reply to all these menaces said i am the sultan's prisoner he can do with me what he pleases the king of france suffered though he did not complain he feared nothing on his own account but when he thought of his faithful army and of the fate of the other captives his heart was a prey to the deepest sorrow the christian prisoners were crowded into one open court some sick others wounded the greater part naked and all exposed to hunger the injuries of the elements and the ill-treatment of their pitiless guards a mussulman was commanded to write the names of all these wretched captives whose number amounted to more than ten thousand they led all that could purchase their liberty into a vast tent the others remained in the place into which they had been driven like a flock of animals destined to perish miserably every day an emir by the sultan's orders entered this abode of despair and caused two or three hundred prisoners to be dragged out of the enclosure they were asked if they would abjure the religion of christ and those whom the fear of death induced to desert their faith received their liberty the others were put to the sword and their bodies were cast into the nile they were slaughtered during the night silence and darkness adding to the horrors of the execution during several days the steel of the executioner thus decimated the unhappy prisoners none were ever seen to return who went out of the enclosure their sad companions on bidding them farewell wept beforehand over their tragical end and lived in certain expectation of a similar fate at length the lassitude of slaughter caused those that remained to be spared they were led away to cairo and the capital of egypt into which they had flattered themselves they should enter in triumph beheld them arrive covered with rags and loaded with chains they were thrown into dungeons where many died of hunger and grief the others condemned to slavery in a foreign land deprived of all assistance and of all communication with their leaders without knowing what was become of their king were hopeless of ever recovering their liberty or of revisiting the west the oriental historians relate the scenes we have just described with indifference many even seem to consider the massacre of prisoners of war as a second victory and as if the misfortune and murder of a disarmed enemy could heighten the glory of a conqueror they exaggerate in their accounts the misery of the vanquished and particularly the number of the victims immolated to islamism the barons and knights that were shut up in the pavilion were not ignorant of the fate of their companions in arms they passed their days and nights in continual terrors the sultan wished to obtain from them that which he had not been able to obtain from louis the ninth he sent an emir to inform them that he would set them at liberty if damietta and the christian cities of palestine were restored to the mussulmans the count of Brittany replied in the name of all the prisoners that that which was asked of them was not in their power and that french warriors had no other will than that of their king it is plainly to be perceived said the messenger of almuadam that you care very little for liberty or life you shall see some men accustomed to sword-playing the emir retired leaving the prisoners in expectation of an early death the apparatus of punishment was exhibited before them the sword remained several days suspended over their heads but almuadam could make no impression upon their firmness thus neither the captivity of an entire army nor the death of so many warriors 
had been able to deprive the christians of a single one of their conquests and one of the bulwarks of egypt was still in their hands the conquerors prayed and threatened by turns the conquered resisted all their endeavours and always appeared masters in the meantime several french nobles offered to pay their own ransom louis was informed of this and as he feared that many not having the means to redeem themselves would remain in chains he forbade any particular treaty the barons and knights but lately so intractable did not persist in opposing the will of an unfortunate king and instantly gave up all idea of a separate negotiation the king said he would pay for everybody and that he would never think about his own liberty till after he had assured that of all others while the sultan of cairo was thus making useless attempts to overcome the pride and lower the courage of louis and his knights the favourites he had brought with him from mesopotamia pressed their master to conclude the peace quickly you have said they to him enemies much more dangerous than the christians they are the emirs who wish to reign in your place and who never cease to boast of their victories as if you had not yourself conquered the franks as if the god of mahomet had not sent pestilence and famine to aid you in triumphing over the defenders of christ hasten then to terminate the war in order that you may strengthen your power within and begin to reign these speeches which flattered the pride of almohadam induced him to make rather more reasonable proposals to his enemies the sultan limited his demand to a ransom of a million of golden bisons and the restitution of damietta louis aware that the city of damietta could not resist consented to the proposals that were made to him if the queen approved of them as the mussulmans expressed some surprise at this the king added the queen is my lady i can do nothing without her consent the ministers of the sultan returned a second time and told the french monarch that if the queen would pay the sum agreed upon he should be free a king of france answered he is not to be redeemed by money the city of damietta shall be given up for my deliverance and a million of golden byzants paid for that of my army the sultan agreed to all and whether he was pleased at having terminated the negotiations or whether he was touched by the noble character the captive monarch had displayed he reduced the sum fixed upon as the ransom of the christian army a fifth the knights and barons were still ignorant of the conclusion of the treaty and were revolving in their minds their customary melancholy reflections when they saw an old saracen enter their pavilion his venerable figure and the gravity of his carriage inspired respect his train composed of men-at-arms inspired fear the old man without any preliminary discourse asked the prisoners by means of an interpreter if it was true that they believed in a god born of a woman crucified for the salvation of the human race and resuscitated the third day all having answered at once that that was their belief in that case added he congratulate yourself at suffering for your god you are yet far from having suffered as much for him as he suffered for you place your hopes in him and if he has been able to recall himself to life he will not want power to put an end to the evils that afflict you now on finishing these words the old mussulman retired leaving the crusaders divided between surprise fear and hope on the next day it was announced to them that the king had concluded a truce and wished to take counsel of his barons john of valery philippe de montfort and guy and baldwin d'ibelin were deputed to wait upon the king 
it was not long before the crusaders learned that their captivity was about to end and that the king had paid the ransom of the poor as well as the rich when these brave knights turned their thoughts towards their victories they never could conceive how it was possible for them to have fallen into the hands of the infidels and when they reflected on their late misfortunes their deliverance appeared equally miraculous to them all raised their voices in praises of god and benedictions to the king of france End of section 114. This recording is in the public domain. End of the World Story A History of the World in Story, Song, and Art. Volume 2 India, Persia, Mesopotamia, and Palestine. Edited by Eva March Tappan.